We're on the record. I'm Melissa Gear in for Sheila Cast. Good morning. More than a century ago, the first commercial airline flight took off from St. Petersburg, Florida. Its destination, just across the bay in Tampa. The one single passenger sat on a wooden bench in an open cockpit next to the pilot. No coffee, no tea, no flight attendants. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard. Once you have located your seat, we ask that you please step out of the aisle. Of course, a lot has changed in the airline industry since then, and a new PBS documentary, which airs February 20th, tells one piece of that history. Fly With Me is the story of how pioneering young women, called stewardesses at the time, enjoyed the excitement and freedoms of the job, but also fought against unequal treatment and sexist job requirements. Their struggle landed them on the front lines of the early women's movement and the fight for workers' rights. Here to tell us more about it is Kathleen Berry, an academic advisor for the film and author of Femininity in Flight, A History of Flight Attendants. Barry is also Associate Director of the National Fellowships Program at Johns Hopkins University. Welcome to On the Record, Kathleen. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. First, who were the flight attendants in the early years of the commercial airline industry prior to World War II? Well, the very first flight attendants were men, actually. Uh, It's a job that we associate strongly with women historically, but the first few were men, um, kind of borrowing the model of uh, clerks on or um, stewards on steamships. Um, But around 1930, uh, Ellen Church, who herself uh, was a trained pilot but worked as a nurse, got the idea to pitch a predecessor of United Airlines on the idea of hiring young women to be on flights to kind of allay people's nerves, uh, use their nursing skills to, um, you know, serve the public in a way that would make flying seem less scary. So not just young women, but young women nurses. Yes, Uh and white and um, of a certain size, too. And uh, the airlines had quite an elaborate set of hiring standards. And then after World War II, as flights became safer, hiring practices changed. And here's a clip from the documentary. They were marketing comfort, which meant you don't need a nurse. This is the moment when this profession becomes heavily, heavily identified with women and almost exclusively populated by women. I remember in seventh grade, I read this book, How to Become an Airline Stewardess. And the first line was, would you like a boyfriend in every city in the world? And I was like, yes, I would. (laughs) But I also was like, I want to go to every city in the world. To qualify on most airlines, she must be healthy and of normal weight. You got this chart and you wouldn't even get an interview if your height and weight was more than listed on that chart. Who were the airlines going after now to fill the stewardess role? Well, I think the phrase girl next door is is helpful to think about the kind of um, mix of glamour and domesticity airlines were after in the post-war era. Um, they wanted uh, young women who maybe had been to college, maybe had some business experience, but um, young, single, attractive women who had great manners. Really, the term that the airlines used to describe the job is being a hostess, being a gracious mm-hmm. hostess in your own home. Mm-hmm. There were certain job requirements. Can you talk about that? 
Yes, uh, the airlines were quite um, quite specific about how they imagined um, these young white exemplars of femininity. Um, you absolutely had to be white for the job. You had to be uh, within your twenties. You couldn't be married. Um, you had to be a certain um, size. They had a height range, but more importantly, a weight, a very aggressive set of weight standards. They policed very carefully. Um, they were looking generally for attractiveness in a kind of subjective way, a little hard to pin that one down, um, but also people with good manners and charm grace are, were the words they would have used. You had mentioned those height and weight requirements, and, and they were very strict about that. I mean, women would get weighed on the spot. Absolutely. Um, typically, there was a w- w- monthly check-in, but then you could also be asked to jump on the scale at any time if you were a flight attendant. And if you were even a pound overweight, you'd be put on kind of a probation where you needed to lose two pounds per week or whatever it was to get to what the airline considered your required weight. Uh, so this is something you hear flight attendants talk a lot about over the years and books and you know occupational histories. And the documentary shows how airline marketing began to sell the experience that all of these beautiful young women who met the requirements that you just mentioned would accompany people during flight. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Well, it's important to know that the airlines were were regulated uh, from the late from the 1930s until uh, deregulation in 1978, and that means airlines couldn't really compete very well on routes they were assigned, and their fares were limited. The, f- the range of fares was limited by the government, so that really puts the emphasis on service in terms of competition. Uh, flight attendants are really the linchpin of that because they are the public face that spends the most time with uh, with passengers. So airlines really put a lot of effort into marketing flight attendants and the the ideal of service that they represent. Um, So you see that consistently in the advertising. But advertising itself really changed um, in the 1960s. There's what's called the creative revolution on Madison Avenue. And really advertising shifts more from here's what you get with this product to here's how this product will make you feel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the airlines are very much a part of that. Um, There's an additional shift we see later in the 1960s with the sexual revolution where that this is how thing, you know, this is how our product makes you feel takes on a bit of a sexual edge. And you absolutely see that in the airlines. With um, there's a whole range of famous slogans. Fly me is the most famous, but a lot of kind of you know wink wink nudge nudge slogans and, and marketing campaigns. Yeah, they aren't subtle. <laughs> they Not were some of them were incredibly overt um, and and brazen. That's Kathleen Berry on the record on WYPR. I'm Melissa Gear. She is an academic advisor for the PBS documentary called Fly With Me. It recounts the early experiences of women as flight attendants and how their fight for equal rights paved the way for women in other industries. It airs February 20th. So um, you, you started to talk about the 1960s, and in the 1960s, things also began to change maybe in a more positive sense for women in the airline industry. Here is another clip from the film. In Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, there is mention of a bona fide occupational qualification. That was a provision in the statute. And what it meant was, for some jobs, you don't have to hire men and women equally. For example, if you were hiring somebody as a wet nurse, you don't have to interview men for that job. 
the airlines thought it was absolutely necessary for their business that they have only women. And because they only had women, they really weren't discriminating. Airlines were very confident that the public liked having stewardesses on planes. They actually did surveys that showed that 80% of the flying public preferred stewardesses over stewards. They'd push the EEOC to have hearings so they could clarify the situation. Kathleen, what were the airlines claiming in defense of their hiring practices? Well, the airlines really all push the idea that young women can create an, envir an environment on the plane that y men can't. This environment of um, feeling at home, being charming. Airlines concede that men can carry trays, men can hang up coats, they can serve food, they can do all the, you know, actual Amazingly, tasks. Amazingly, yes. Yes, all the tasks involved with the job. But airlines really insist that they need the kind of, you know, they'll use the word cosmetic or ornamental, you know, mm -hmm. um, the presence of young women to um, secure the loyalty of their customers who are at this moment in time still predominantly male business travelers. So the airlines were claiming that really it was only young women who could do this job. So what was the outcome of those hearings? Well, the um, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is the government agency that interprets Title VII, um, decided pretty quickly that that really wasn't the case. And, and flight attendants put on a defense to, or you know, challenged it to say that you've been hiring men all along in this job. How can you say men can't do this job? Um, and pointing out all sorts of other kind of things that were a little off with the airline's argument, the EEOC says, yes, of course, this is a job. The, the business of airlines are to transport people safely. That can be handled by men or women acting as flight attendants. So they, they were having none of it. <laughs> and that just changed things a lot. I mean, for it the... It did. It, it takes a little while um, because you have the EEOC needs to interpret Title VII, but then um, that enables flight attendants to go to court it alone says something to the airlines, but it doesn't oblige them legally to change what they're doing. So the flight attendants still have to kind of go to the union bargaining table. They still have to go to court and get binding precedents to really insist that the airlines stop trying to impose these these discriminatory um, rules around not being able to be married, not being able to um, have children, be, pa be yeah. past age 32 or 35 on nearly half of the airlines in 1965 had an age ceiling of either 32 or 35 for flight attendants only. Wow. So. And the film, I'm glad you mentioned unions. The film doesn't go into great detail about how unions played a pretty substantial role in the flight attendants' struggle, but your book does. Um, what are some of those key things that unions provided? Well, I think, um, to me, I see the unions really trying to fight this fight for a very long time. They just don't have the tools that became available in the 1960s when, when you get Title VII and you get other laws like that. Um, so flight attendants unionized in the 1940s. Um, they 
are basically a kind of small adjunct of a male-dominated union. Initially, that's the pilots' union. Eventually, they kind of split into two <laughs> two unions that are led by a male-dominated parent union, so to speak. Um, but you see them along the way. They're trying to file grievances on these laws. When American introduces the first age ceiling in 1953, they push back and they can't prevent it, but they at least allow the flight attendants working at that time who are at or above the age ceiling get to keep their jobs. So you see them pushing and they're, and they're watching and they're lobbying for changes. Um, there's a long battle to lobby for age discrimination legislation that would address their strange situation of being fired so young because <laughs> yeah. age discrimination legislation tends to kick in at 40 or 45 years of age, but of course that doesn't cover them. So you, you see them doing a lot and unions kind of provide a training ground for activists. Mm -hmm. They provide this kind of history building up to this moment when you finally get Title VII where they are ready to act and they have you know, a lot of these arguments kind of already developed because they've been talking about it for a while. So they're they're an important backstory in my mind for all of this. Sure. And um, another layer to fly with me is um, it shows how black women fought against racism in the airline industry in addition to sexism. Um, one interviewee talked about how some pilots refused to fly with her on board and her colleagues would lock her out of hotel rooms, leaving her to sleep in the lobby. Did unions help the black flight attendants too? Um, not substantially, I have to say. Um, unions essentially focused on their own membership who were young white women and they were very focused on ending the age and marriage uh, restrictions. So by the time you get to the mid-1960s, unions are putting non-discrimination clauses in their contracts, but that's the law now anyway. So there's not a whole lot that you see where the unions are trying to get out ahead and fight, fight, uh, you know, the airlines on the racial discrimination that's been part of the occupation for such a long time, they're really focused on gender discrimination. Was there something that really broke through um, that that made it possible for black women or black men even to become flight attendants to to not go up against all of that um, racism? Well, I think there's a lot of steps on that path. Uh, you have the, uh, you know, kind of original pathbreakers who are, you know, the first, <laughs> the first African American or, or black flight attendant hired by certain airlines. The absolute first is Ruth uh, Carol Taylor, who's hired by Mohawk Airlines, and and she starts working in 1958. In in the film, you hear, you hear wonderful testimonies from other women who are the first to be hired by other airlines, and that's one breakthrough when you're actually employed, as you hear the women talk about in the film, the endurance of racism in all these different forms goes on for a long time. So um, it's it's a it's a long fight. Uh, it's really not, and, and the numbers are so small for a very long time. It's not really until Title VII, which is a law that's really initially designed to deal with racial discrimination. Title VII does start to change things in terms of um, encouraging the airlines to actually go out and recruit African-American stewardesses and, and really change things. Um, but it, it just, it takes time. There's lots of steps on the path. What do you hope viewers take away from Fly With Me? Um, well, I'm, I'm so excited this story is out there. It's, um, I just think, you know, flight attendants really deserve attention for the ways in which they were in this very high profile, extremely feminized, glamorized job. And they took that and used that to really push against um patterns of discrimination in the workplace that were really, you know, fell on women because they were women and really did some important work in implementing Title VII. Title VII being on the books is not enough, right? Somebody has to go out there and file complaints at the EEOC. You have to go to court. 
lots of women did that. Flight attendants were really a, a critical group in, in establishing important case law, pushing the EEOC to really address gender discrimination and not just racial discrimination. So it's an important story, I think. Thank you for this conversation and congratulations on, on being part of this really important documentary. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be able to talk about it. Kathleen Berry is an academic advisor for the PBS documentary Fly With Me. It features the stories of pioneering women in the flight industry and how they fought against sexist and racist labor practices. It airs February 20th. Short break on the record, and when we're back, a stoop story. I'm Melissa Gear. Stay with us. <laughs> 